Today's episode is brought to you by the letter screwed. Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and we talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. How are you? I'm doing all right. I just got done watching a pretty terrible movie. Did you? Uh, On top of the other two I've already seen. Cool. This week, I saw one, two, (laughs) three... Four, five movies. <laughs> so, uh, and two of those have preview corners. Oh, okay. Oh. I also have a preview corner. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll have to do both at the, the same time, I guess, or I don't know. I guess now, instead of telling people how many movies we're reviewing... So you've seen five movies, Matt. Is that what you said? That is what I said. Tell me what they are. I would like to, but right now, I am tangled up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by the letter screwed. (laughs) All right, hold on. Today, I will review The Good Liar, The Conjuring, The Vavitch, Transcendence, and knives out oh indeed how about you nick what have you seen i saw frozen 2 shin godzilla and pride and prejudice and zombies interesting oh wait i saw that pride and prejudice and zombies you saw that i saw that in the theater yeah oh god (laughs) we'll get to it yeah okay since you're winning this week why don't you begin boy do i not know where to start (laughs) um Let's (laughs) Let's see. <laughs> How about I start with my shortest reviews, because I can throw two of them at you pretty quickly. Those being okay. The Witch and Transcendence. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, Transcendence, is this a movie you've even heard of? This is the Johnny Depp Becomes the Internet movie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You, you did know Okay. <laughs> I had not heard of it at all, and I watched it quite recently, and... Nick pretty much got the plot summarized pretty well just in that one sentence. Okay. Johnny Depp's doing some wild AI tech stuff and ends up dying. And as he's kind of preparing to die, he and his wife and their friend, who's played by Paul Bettany, decide to upload his consciousness. Or first, I guess they download it. I don't know. Upload it and then upload it again later. It gets out of hand. And this movie didn't really draw me in very much. It seemed pretty full of itself. Yes. I can't believe that. What? (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of boring to me Mm -hmm. and seemingly to all of the actors in the movie. It's been a while since I've seen a movie where everybody looked so disinterested in what they were doing. It's kind of got some interesting ideas, but... I would say if you're interested in seeing some sort of tech movie with like some AI angle, check out Upgrade if you want some action. And if you want something that's more dramatic, watch like Ex Machina, which I didn't really actually like that much, but it's definitely better than this movie. So that's that's it. It's just not very well done. It's not lacking ideas. It's not lacking pretty imagery. There's There's some pretty nice imagery throughout the movie, but it's just really lacking heart and actors who seem to really be invested in what's going on. And it keeps talking about love and 
the relationship between Johnny Depp and his wife, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because it's just like Johnny Depp's super bored way of talking, but I don't actually feel any chemistry between them. I felt like I just believed that they love each other because the movie keeps saying it. Right. Yeah. So transcendence, uh, you can probably pass on it. Uh, Okay. I have so far. (laughs) Yeah. Good call. And then I'll tell you a little bit about the witch. Because I have actually reviewed that movie on this podcast before, and you have as well. As have I. And so really, I'm not going to say a ton about it. I'm just going to say that kind of what it's like the second time through. So the second time, I'd say I actually enjoyed it more plot-wise, because I wasn't eager for more events to happen. And so I was able to just kind of sit back and see it do its thing. I think the second time around, it doesn't have quite as much atmosphere to it because you do know what's coming next. And I remember the first time watching it being kind of on edge most of the time. Second time through, that doesn't carry over as much, which isn't a big shock or anything. But I do think that at the end of the movie, once things kind of wrap up, if you're watching it the second time, at least for me, it was easier to be involved in the ending, easier to appreciate and enjoy the ending the second time through because everything leading up to it, actually knowing where it's going, has a little bit of a different depth to it. It's not quite as tense or anything, but it is more... I think it kind of makes its point a little bit more in terms of Mm -hmm. people being kind of forced into things and pressured to think and act a certain way. And then there being a kind of reactivity to that and a certain degree of F the system. It makes a bit more sense the second time watching the movie. So if you've seen it before, I'd say it's worth a second watch because I think you'll have a pretty different experience. Okay. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, I liked it the first time I saw it. And I find myself thinking about it often. Yeah. That's always a good sign for a movie where you're like, oh. Yeah, I think you end up like referencing movies that have something to offer more than just like, oh, it was bad. Unless you're just saying it as like, you know, you're referencing it as a joke. Right. Now you can talk. Which, all right. I guess I'll start with Frozen 2, which means that we're going to take a little trip into Preview Corner. Nick, aren't you? Don't don't you have an intro for Preview Corner? Preview Corner. Wow. (laughs) That made Johnny's Depp half hearted performance seem wholehearted. <laughs> Usually the, uh, the preview the, corner theme is rather uh ex- I thought that one was pretty good. Uh it seemed a little more mellow than usual, but you know, pot's getting legalized everywhere. Oh, so. I was trying to go for more bass this time. Ah. All right, so preview corner. First things first, I saw this on a military base. So before the movie started, you had to stand for the national anthem, which I thought was weird. I didn't uh I never had to do that before. That I can remember. You know, I've only so, ever seen uh, one movie on bass, and it was uh, Nick of Time with Johnny Depp. And I don't remember whether or not there was a Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, or we saw a whole anthem. bunch back in the day, but I can't remember if there was a National Anthem. And then the preview started, and the first preview was for the new musical Cats, <laughs> which I really have no desire to see at all. Yeah. It looks well made. Does All it? the actors in it, I, I kind of enjoy. Yeah, let's got like those bright and dark colors, <laughs> you know, like rich looking textures. The cat people are horrifying. <laughs> yeah. But I never saw the Broadway show. I really can't stand that memory song. And that was the whole trailer was that memory song. And you're like, oh, this I'm going to have to hear this song again if I see this movie. I don't really want to hear this song again. I'm sick of it. 
from 20 years ago. I just got no desire to see this movie. Although it is made by the same guy who made Les Miserables a few years ago. No, I didn't care for that either. Which is a mostly good movie, except for Russell Crowe, who's terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, I've seen the Cats preview too. I didn't actually see it in the theater, but I saw an extended commercial slash trailer for it on TV. And I will agree with you that the uh, the cast is a pretty good cast, but I also agree with you that there's nothing about it that makes me want to see it. That's it. All right. Then Jumanji 2. The, it's either Welcome to the Next Level or The Next Level. I just wrote down Jumanji 2. I didn't see the first one with The Rock. Although watching this trailer, this is the first time I saw a trailer for this sequel and hearing that you, you said that you enjoyed the first one, that it was fun. Yeah. I was, was like, oh, more fun than I had anticipated, I think. Yeah. I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch that first one. And this one also looks fun. I like the Danny DeVito and Danny Glover aspect for whatever reason. Like, I think that's it's funny. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it worked for me. So I was like, okay. All right. It was during this preview that I realized that The Rock and Kevin Hart have made like 10 movies together. And I don't think I've seen one of them yet. Yeah. The only so, one I've seen is the other Jumanji. Yeah. So uh, one, there's a whole bunch of rock movies that I haven't seen. And two, I should get on that because I like Kevin Hart. I think he's quite funny. Then the third trailer that I saw was for the new Charlie's Angels, which was a movie I thought had already come out and failed. I thought it had, too. Either it was a trailer for, like, a second-run movie, like the base theater was just also showing Charlie's Angels, and here's a commercial for it, or the movie hasn't come out yet, and I couldn't figure out which one. But uh, there's something about when I watched the trailer this time that I was was like, I kind of want to see this movie. And I figured it out, and... I'm not inquire, inquirely. I'm not entirely sure how to put it, but there's something captivating about the cold, dead eyes of Kristen Stewart where I find her fascinating. <laughs> and I think she's a good actress, especially if she's in the right kind of a role. So I was like, this looks like she's having fun. Like she's got like some life in her eyes. I kind of want to see this movie. Well, you might so, have to go back to the base or wait for it to come out because the release date on that movie was November 15th. Oh, that means it'll be on video next week. Excellent. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got for that movie. I was, it was the first time I saw that tr- the tr- Charlie's Angels trailer and thought, wow, I want to see this movie. And, and this time it got me i was like oh i would watch this and i didn't see either one of the cameron diaz ones from the 2000s i saw the first one i didn't care for it enough to bother watching the second one yeah all right as i step out of preview corner frozen 2 directed by chris buck and jennifer lee this movie came out this year the other week 2019 if you're not sure what year this is future people (laughs) it stars Kristen bell adina menzel josh gad and the rest of the cast from the first frozen movie and uh this movie's okay it's it's just kind of okay sounds like you were expecting more i was i was expecting a lot more and i have a whole lot of problems with it that i can't really get into without going into spoilers and much of it won't make sense if you haven't seen it especially since you, you haven't seen the first one either so i'm, I'm not going to get into spoilers but this movie really falls into the sequel trap hard and that's disappointing first of all and then the main plot of the movie is that elsa the 
the snow queen, the ice lady. Yeah. She, I guess it's a few years after the events of the first movie and everything's going fine in their kingdom and she's getting a little restless. She just doesn't like being the queen anymore or something like that. And she starts hearing like the, the call of the, I don't want to say the call of the wild, <laughs> but like she starts hearing this call at night or during the day like when she looks off in the distance she hears like this singing voice and is so is it a crossover no uh, that would have been awesome oh yeah and speaking of which this movie establishes what time period it is at the end which is really weird like at the end of the 1980s? movie someone's holding up no it's like the 1880s and someone's holding up a photograph and they talk about it as a photograph and they're like so what's this What's this? You call it a photograph? And I'm, and I'm like, why is this movie establishing what time period it is in the last 30 seconds of the movie? What does that matter to the movie at all? I just assumed all these Disney movies took place in the Dark Ages, which is which is why they kind of work. It's also one of the big problems I have with that movie, The Frog Princess, uh, which I saw half of and then walked away from it because i was like i can't take any more of this grown woman's referring to her father as big daddy anymore because that happens uh. way too much but that movie takes place in the 1920s 20s or 30s in the south like the u.s south and disney movies that take place in anywhere near modern times just like the disney princess movies anywhere near modern times just does not work for me I needed to be taking place a long time ago in a, in a galaxy far, far away. So that's the one complaint I, I've got. But as far as The Frozen 2, which is the movie we're discussing, so Elsa is being lured away by this mysterious voice. And then at the same time, some cataclysm happens to their town where they all have to evacuate the town. And this is where I hit my first real roadblock of this movie is everyone evacuates the town and Anna and Elsa are like trying to calm everyone down. And then the rock people from the first movie show up. And no, Nick hates the rock people. Right. One, I can't stand the rock people. And then they show up again and he starts like talking to the queen. And no one in the background has a problem with this. No one standing around is like, who are these Wait, rock, rock people? Because <laughs> in the first one, there's a whole sequence where Kristoff is talking to the rocks before they like reveal themselves and Anna and Olaf are looking at each other like, Oh, I get it. He's crazy. And it's a pretty funny thing before the whole horrible rock people song starts. And so now in this movie, rock people just show up out of the woods and the people around them are like, Oh yeah, the rock people are here. That's fine. And then Anna and Elsa get called on to their adventure. Cause basically the rock guys like, Hey, you got to go solve this problem. And Anna and Elsa are like, okay, but we'll do it as sisters. Cause we've always been very close with, each other and we love each other and we would never do anything to betray the other oh and, so and all i can betray think, each other yeah and so in the first movie in the first 10 minutes of the movie or whatever they established that when they were children they were really very close uh -huh. and then elsa almost kills her sister on accident with her ice powers she touches her face and then no she like shoots her in the heart with a or in the head with a <laughs> ice blast oh, i guess i got that and slightly so, wrong. 
<laughs> you got it slightly. She does it from far away. Like she throws a fastball at her. It's then that the parents decide, oh, okay, we'll go visit the rock people and they'll erase the younger daughter's memory. And then we'll just confine the Elsa girl to her room till she can figure out how to control her powers. And so then like 10 years goes by, Anna and Elsa are just living their lives separately. Everything gets set in motion from this big ball where where Elsa becomes the queen after her parents tragically die. Because it's a Disney movie, they have to die. So at this big party in the first movie, it's like the first time they've seen each other in a really long time. Right. And then they have like this little moment together where you're like, oh yeah, they, where they both look at each other and they're kind of like, oh, I've missed you. I've missed you a lot. And then the, everything goes to hell and then they go, go on their adventure. And the movie is basically them on their adventure separately. What this movie tries to retcon a little bit is that they've always been super close they've always been sisters and girl power all the way am i right ladies and it just kind of betrays the idea of the first one which is basically the anna girl is trapped inside this castle because her sister is crazy and then she finds out oh you're some sort of like wizard because you have ice power and then in this movie a whole bunch of stuff happens. We learn about their past. I will say I was wrong about the Anna girl getting the power to control fire. Uh, what a disappointment. I really thought that was going to happen. And there's one moment in the movie where I thought that it was going to happen. I was like, oh my God, this is where it happens. This is where she finds out she can... Oh, no, it's over. <laughs> it's, she doesn't. And a, a lot of this movie is just created for like extra characters so that we can sell more toys. There's a lot of that, like an unbelievable amount of that. Like there's this one creature that creates fire and I don't even know what its name was or what its purpose is other than, oh, look how cute it is. Let's buy one at the store and so there's there's just a lot of that my favorite part of the whole movie is is also at the same time the worst part of the whole movie because the Kristoff guy he spends most of this movie he's got nothing to do and basically what he's trying to do the whole movie is propose to anna but because it's a movie and he has nothing to do he just can't find the words to do it and he keeps messing up or saying the wrong things and ruining the moment and oh my how how fun and charming it does it's not sound it's, that way it's it's, it's tripe <laughs> and it's just chews up screen time and then at one point Anna and Elsa ask where Kristoff is and someone says oh he left and Anna's like he left Oh, well, fine. We're leaving without him. And so they just leave. Meanwhile, Kristoff has been like putting together with his new best friend, the Native American guy. That's a whole other thing. I'll talk about that in a second. His his new best friend are putting together like this elaborate proposal. And then he finds out that Anna and Elsa left. And so he sulks because he's like, oh, she abandoned me. And then he sings this song. Uh, I forget what the song's called. But it's basically about, is this what it's like when love ends? Is this what it feels like when it, when it starts to end? And you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty deep and depressing. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it turns into a, like a Chicago slash, it turns into a Brian Adams music video out of nowhere. And it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen where you're just sitting there and you just realize what's happening and it just washes over you and you're just like 
oh my God, oh my God, this is happening. And then it turns into like a queen music video for a minute. It is so ridiculous. I was dying. I loved it. But it's ultimately pointless because it doesn't mean anything. Like the song and the production number were were awesome and it was my favorite part of the movie. But like two seconds later, you're like, well, this was a waste of time because we all know that that Anna girl loves him. And then the next time those two characters run into each other, he's like rescuing her for like half a second. He's like, hey, babe, what's up? And she's like, hi, I need your help. Or you, you have to help me get to this location. And he's like, absolutely, whatever you need. There's none of that. Uh, the five minutes we just spent. Oh, is this what it feels like when love dies? And you're just like, oh, right. That was all just a waste of time. And so getting back to the main plot of this movie is back when Anna and Elsa's dad was a young man or teenager his father was king and so there were the people that lived in the kingdom like the little town and then there were the other people who lived like in the woods now the people who lived in the town they're all basically nordic because this movie's supposed to take place in like norway or sweden like just one of those nordic kind of countries with that are real far north mm-hmm. and almost everybody in the movie is blonde and white scandinavian and scandinavian that's terrific thank you i'm so glad you're here <laughs> and they make a point of saying over and over and over again that this village of people that live to the north are the wild people or whatever you want to call them that they're from the north so you would just kind of assume that they are also of Scandinavian descent, but they're not. They're, for all intents and purposes, they're Native Americans. They have dark hair and dark features. They look like Native Americans. They have that kind of like stereotypical look. And the movie has a real, hey, look how we betrayed the natives vibe to it, where you're like, what is happening? Why is this in this movie that takes place in Norway? Now, I don't claim to be an expert on most things Norway. Some things, yes. But but most things, most things I'm not an expert. And maybe there are Scandinavian Native Americans, uh, but I kind of... That doesn't seem possible. Yeah, I know. I'm using the term Native American as a broad generalization for an entire look of people, because I don't know how else to refer to them as. (laughs) It's it's Um, fun to watch you dance. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe there are dark-skinned people to the north of the Scandinavian people, but I I doubt it, especially back in those times. But, But anyway... That's that whole thing. I got a real problem with that, where they're just trying to create adversaries, and you're like, oh, I get what's going on here. And then you're like, why is this in this movie? And then it doesn't add anything to the story. Overall, I could go on for forever about this, but it won't make any more sense if you haven't seen it. So we'll have to wait for for Matt to watch the Frozen series of movies. Enjoy the wait. (laughs) Yeah. I also didn't really care for the songs. Now, my kids have been listening to them kind of nonstop since we saw the movie, and some of them have grown on me, but the ones that I don't like, I really don't like now. The ones that I do like, I kind of like a little bit more, mm-hmm. but on the soundtrack, Weezer sings the the Kristoff song that I really like, and 
eh, I'm a big Weezer guy and I'm still kind of like, eh. So for music reviews, that was Frozen 2. <laughs> I've, I've heard the, uh, the soundtrack's a bit of a letdown from the first one. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, one other thing, since we're talking about the soundtrack, is uh, it is, like you said, a, a step back from the first one. The performances in the songs are very good. Like the one Elsa girl, she sings the Adina Menzel, whatever her name is, she sings the Into the Unknown song, which is like the, the Let It Go for this movie. And there's no way you're going to top Let It Go. It's just, you're just not going right. to do it. But this, this song tries... And the performance that she puts out is phenomenal. It's just a phenomenally performed song. I don't think it's as good as the Let It Go song, but like the performance is just her showing you what she's got. And she has everything as far as being a singer. Um, And speaking of her showing you everything she's got, I saw something on Instagram the other day that said that she is based on a porn star named Elsa Jean. Oh, I guess I'll have there to do go. some research on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds true. Uh, oh, and one last thing. Too much Olaf in this movie. The snowman, too much Olaf. I like him in the first one, but he's like used sparingly in the first one. And this one, it's, it's just too much. He, he, Way too much. He is literally, literally the reason I've never seen the first movie. <laughs> and Oh, he's quite entertaining in the first movie. I like him a lot in the first movie. And I believe you that he might be pretty likable, but any time I've thought about watching it, I've been like, eh, talking snowman. <laughs> Just yeah. He shows up later than you think in that movie, too, where you're like, oh, he only shows up now? Which is why in this movie, because he's in it from like the first minute, you're just kind of, all right, that's enough, Olaf. I- I've had enough. But he does have this one amazing sequence that, that really cracked me up. But then he his song in this movie sucks. It's just terrible. Unlike the song from the first movie that he has, which is very entertaining. This movie, his song sucks. So you've got a couple more movies and I've got three more movies. Um, okay. How about I get The Conjuring out of the way? Okay. Now this is the first of the Annabelle movies? It might be. Is that right? <laughs> is that well, the, That's I, the doll, right? Yeah, there's a whole universe with these characters that spin off of each other like la llorona and the annabelle things i don't know if sinister is in the conjuring universe but the conjuring has a couple movies is uh-huh. the nun part of this too yes yes you're right that's the other oh. one yeah Jeez. no kidding there are a lot of these and my <laughs> i made a note after it ended like five minutes after it ended I said, I already don't remember this movie again. <laughs> had, had you not seen this art before? No, I, I was going to say, I thought you... I had seen it once before yeah. and I, I watched it because I was like, yeah, I don't remember it all. I, I don't remember it at all. It'll be like watching it for the first time. And then at the end, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is why I don't remember this movie. What is this movie about? So I think <laughs> that at the beginning... <laughs> Some girls invite a spirit to live in a doll. And then Bad it does. Idea. And then yeah. um, it doesn't actually have anything to do with the rest of the movie, except for Ed and Lorraine Warren, who come to rescue the people. They're, they're like psychics that get called to houses to help cleanse it or oh, figure out what's going on. This is that movie. Yeah. And like these were real people, right? In real life? Yeah, yeah. They're the people that are uh, investigated the Amityville horror and stuff. And eventually, I'm pretty oh, sure that. that pretty well 
established that they were hacks. And in this movie, they are played by Patrick Wilson, who I have yet to like in anything. And, he keeps showing up lately. Yep. Sure does. And uh, and Vera Farmiga, who I really want to like. Oh, she was in something I watched recently, too. <laughs> that's right. King Kong. Or uh, Godzilla. Oh, that's right. Long, long live the king. Yes. Yes. Uh, she's pretty terrible. And this movie also has Lily Taylor, who I don't know if you'd know who she is, but I recognized her as the woman from the 1999 movie The Haunting, which was terrible. That's an awful movie. Oh, she's that. She's the main character from that, right? Isn't Correct. She like Liam Neeson's daughter? No. <laughs> Liam Neeson is, uh, you know what? Tell you what. Let's not get into a whole big discussion about the haunting, but no. <laughs> let's start talking about <laughs> the haunting. She's not his daughter. <laughs> but she's in this, and the, uh-huh. the plot is that she and her family have, I want to say a haunted house, but it's more like a haunted family. And they get haunted because they buy a haunted house. I think. And, uh, oh, wait, are we talking about the haunting or are we talking about the conjuring? We're talking about the conjuring. <laughs> and, uh, okay. <laughs> it's got this stupid thing that's in a lot of horror movies where people buy a house without even like seeing it. And so, like, uh-huh. they're getting there and like looking around the house, and the wife is like, wow, I can't believe there's something near the backyard. I don't really remember. But anyway. <laughs> They get haunted, and they call Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson to come look at their house. And the first thing that happens once they get there is they're like, hey, your house just has a draft or something like that. And then four minutes passed, and I think I might have, like, my eyes glazed over because four minutes later, they're actually trying to investigate what they're talking about as though it's a big possession thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't they just say that this was just an issue with the house? Why are they back here? What just happened? And I thought about rewinding, and I thought, I've already seen this movie. (laughs) And I just saw whatever I just saw a second time. I don't think Mm -hmm. I want to go back for a third. So I don't know why, but eventually they decide, yeah, we're going to help you with your house haunting issue. And then, you know, eventually it ends. And... And they make 10 sequels. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a dog dies in this movie. So if you can't handle that, don't watch it. It's definitely not a good enough movie to deserve having a, a dog die in it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't deserve the seriousness of something as uh, upsetting to people as that. No. How, how many people die? Who cares? <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if anybody did die in this movie, come to think of it. And I'm not sure if anyone dies in any of the Conjuring verse movies. There are some decent ideas in this movie, but they're all done pretty lazily. And one thing was they, uh, (laughs) just looking at my notes. So, so there's a moment where the woman is, Vera Farmiga is like, looking through the house with a blindfold on. They're playing like hide and go seek, but blind. And she's like, I can hear you breathing, but the breathing is non-diegetic sound. So it's like the way it's played in the soundtrack is makes it sound like it's something that we would hear, but the people in the movie don't. What's funny is that my notes say non-diabetic sound effects. I'm still trying to figure out what that word means. Diegetic. Uh, based on the on your context clues, but I'm not able to do it. I can't. What is that? What does that mean? Diegetic is is when the sound is in the movie. 
let's say for instance, um, oh, what movie is? It? I think it's uh, Jackie Brown. Samuel Jackson is driving around, and you think that the music he's listening to is the soundtrack of the movie, but then he stops the car. And the music stops and you realize it was in the movie. That's diegetic. Okay. So I gotcha. In this movie, she says, I can hear you breathing, but the soundtrack, mm-hmm. it sounds like non-diegetic sound. It sounds like it's something that just we would hear. Like it's not actually in the movie. It's like Jason Voorhees breathing where only he can hear it inside the mask. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Something like that. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't quite work. And so there's a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, they just did this the wrong way. Well, I could go on about this longer than I should. Let me give you the good. (laughs) If you have a good sound system, now forget about the diegetic, non-diegetic nonsense, but if you have a good sound system, and I was at my girlfriend's place, and she has a ridiculous surround sound thing going on. I turned around a lot. (laughs) Like I kept hearing sounds behind me, and I'm like, "Uh, is that someone walking out? into this room or is that in the movie and once it actually was a person that was rather surprising anyway (laughs) (laughs) there are a couple decent effects there's one point where people are getting kind of dragged around there's a woman who gets dragged around by her hair and some other people get moved around and that looks pretty good but that's about it if you just like ghost hunter stuff and you like watching people like record white noise and then listen to it I guess you can enjoy that. The pace is fine. There are events every few minutes to kind of keep you awake, but it doesn't pull you in much. Didn't pull me in much anyway. And the sugary sweet relationship between the Warrens is really annoying. It's either very, very fake or they're just extremely unlikable people. Mm -hmm. And there are stupid things that they do. Like there's one point in the movie where the woman says to the husband, we have to help them. I'm like, that's what you're already doing. Like, what? why are you even saying this? As far as a horror movie goes, I mean, technically this movie's fine. There's nothing bad about how it's shot or anything, but it's just so paint-by-numbers that it's very uninteresting, I think. And there are a lot of moments where, like, throughout the movie, Vera Farmiga is explaining things to people. And it's, like, important stuff, like, your house is being controlled by a demon. But she's saying it to them in a way that's like, it's not how you would deliver bad news to someone mm-hmm. who doesn't already know this stuff. That's about it. To be fair, though, I don't really like possession movies. They, they tend to disappoint me. So it may not be a great genre for me to judge. But okay, I didn't think it was. Was this the one that's directed by James Wan? It's one of. Yes. Yeah. He's the guy that directed Aquaman. Yes. <laughs> okay i'm glad we established that <laughs> cool that's it that's that's all, all I right got on the conjuring that brings me to the next movie i'll talk about is uh pride and prejudice and zombies this movie is from 2016 it's directed by burr steers and stars oh gosh lily james sam riley bella Hithcote, a bunch of people I've never heard of, and then all of a sudden Charles Dance and Lena Head Hedy are in it, and Charles Dance and Lena Headley are Tywin Lannister and Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. And all right. like, oh my god, awesome! And you kind of just want the rest of the cast of Game of Thrones to be in this movie. So, spoiler alert: I have never read Pride and Prejudice. I have never seen Pride and Prejudice. I don't really know anything about it, 
except that it's a Jane Austen book. And then there's a movie with Kira Knightley from like 20 years ago that I want to watch now after watching this. Basically, this is the story of a group of sisters who have to get married off. Otherwise, they're going to lose their father's home if he dies. I guess the laws back then were if the father dies, it goes to a male heir, and he doesn't have any, so he's trying to marry off his daughters. Also, there are zombies in this movie. Zombies exist, and it's all going on at the same time as this story. Mm -hmm. And when this movie works, it's because you forgot there were zombies in it. (laughs) and when you all of a sudden remember oh yeah zombies you're like oh this is fantastic why isn't the rest of the movie this entertaining because most of it is not entertaining most of it is quite terrible but there's like a whole 20 minute stretch in the middle where no zombie stuff happens and you totally forget there are zombies in this movie and then all of a sudden they show up again and you're just like whoa right zombies and then they have like some obnoxious action sequence which looks terrible and cgi uh because this is like a a low budget movie and it's more disappointing than anything because when it succeeds at what it's trying to do which is to tell the story of pride and prejudice but also there are zombies in it which is just such a strange dichotomy is that the right word uh, to put those two like you got these prim and proper that's the word i'm looking for like it's such an odd juxtaposition of of these prim and proper victorian era or pre-victorian era ladies in in england and then all of a sudden they're like also these warriors who know how to fight because they spent time in china and you're like oh man this should be much more entertaining than it is and i know that it's based on a book called pride and prejudice and zombies which is basically just the a rehashing of the jane austen novel but like rewritten so that like there are zombies in it every so often and then they have to like deal with that much like this movie is like i said when this movie succeeds (laughs) yeah well i mean it's it's like the exact same plot except here's some zombies and it's it's just so it's so quirky that it should really work more than it does and it just falls kind of flat one of the actors in it is matt Smith is his name, and he plays this guy, Mr. Collins. And he was kind of my favorite part of the movie, and even he I got tired of towards the end. He's kind of the comic relief, and he has a couple of good moments. I I watched this just before we recorded. I just started fast-forwarding because I was like, I don't care anymore. So I I really don't really know how it ended, but I, I get it. I kind of get it. I I know what happened. Because at the end, there's a wedding. Ta-da! They, you know, hooray! And she married the zombie. uh, (laughs) Now, what I think would make me appreciate it more is if I had any experience with just Pride and Prejudice. Like, how you appreciate a parody a lot more when you you know the source material first. Yeah, definitely. And that's basically what this is. It's just a parody of a Jane Austen movie. And I feel like I shortchanged myself a little bit there but watching this movie and the parts where there are no zombies i was like this is an interesting story and i'm kind of into it oh there's zombies i'd like to see this without zombies so well there's a kira knightley i'm gonna version. watch that and that's got me written all over it so i'm excited about that <laughs> kira knightley was number one for a good while there i don't know who's number one now but yeah so pride and prejudice and zombies i don't know 
I don't know if I can recommend checking it out. One <laughs> point, kind like, of fun. When it was when it was fun, I loved it. But much of the time, it was not fun. Natalie Portman was at one point attached to this, and I think that would have been a way better movie, especially if Natalie Portman was in it. I imagine they'd have gotten much better actors as well, because a lot of these actors, one of them just looks like James Franco's brother, Dave. Is it Dave Franco? Yeah, Dave Franco. Every time he's on screen, I'm like, is that Dave Franco? And it's not. It's not him. There's another character who plays Mr. Darcy. And all the main characters in this movie just look like they're 20-something British actors. This Mr. Darcy character is played by an actor named Sam Riley. And when you look at him, you think he's just got like a regular voice. But when he starts to talk, it's like he's been drinking whiskey and smoking for 50 years. And he's also doing a Christian Bale Batman voice. So he's just like, hello, Miss Bennett. How are you? And he's like, what is this voice coming out of this guy? Also, the zombie effects are pretty terrible, and there's hardly any blood in this movie about zombies, which is always a bad sign. There are sequences where these girls who are trained ninja warriors, basically, and they eviscerate a whole room of zombies, and there's not a drop of blood on them. There's like so many parts of this movie where it would have been again we were saying the juxtaposition of the time of where you where you have to be so prim and proper about everything where it's like you just cut off a zombie's head and then you have to talk to your betrothed and you're just covered in this zombie's blood i was like that would have been so much more entertaining with all this gore around them but instead they can't because it's pg-13 so like all of this other stuff happens in a different scene and then they're like well that's that and now back to the rest of the movie a lot of missed opportunities, I think, for uh, entertainment. The end. Okay. All right. Let's do The Good Liar. And okay. I've got some preview corner to go through here. Tell you what, I'm just going to do two preview corners at once. So that's like half a square. All right. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, partly because I don't remember half of them. I saw another preview for The King's Man, and mm-hmm. I'm almost starting to get interested, or at least I was while I was watching this preview. Because right now, actually, uh-huh. I have no interest in seeing it. So I don't know. That, that might have been a momentary thing. Then I a saw a of weakness. Yeah, exactly. And then I saw a preview for a movie that I first called Haunty Orphanage. And I thought, <laughs> is that Sammy Deschanel? And uh, no, it's not. It's a woman named Mackenzie Davis. And it's a movie called The Turning. And I can't really tell you what it's about other than that there seem to be orphans and hauntings. So... Haunty Orphanage. Yeah, okay. Saw another preview for The Jungle Cruise and basically just thought that The Rock and Emily Blunt look like they might have some decent chemistry. I saw a trailer for that online and I th- I kind of thought the same. I was like, this looks kind of fun. Yeah. A little too much CGI in the Ooh, trailer. Lots. Like I, I would have appreciated a little more practical looking effects, which is I think what's going to ruin this movie for me is that all the, the fun is computer generated, Yeah, which is no good for me. After that, I saw a preview for a uh, movie that I at first called KKK Movie and oh. it's South Carolina. 1996, Forrest Whitaker, uh, this is based on a true story, plays a black man trying to save a guy who is trying to leave the Klan. The movie is actually called Burden, and it looked pretty good. Uh, I got to say, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. curious about it. I very, very vaguely remember hearing something about what I think must have been the story of this man, but it was actually the preview. There's something about Forrest Whitaker that I find very compelling. I agree. And the preview looked like... The movie actually, you know how a lot of movies can seem like they're sort of Oscar bait, like they're just hitting 
certain beats. Yeah. This looked like it's got more depth than that. Like at first it started and I was like, oh, maybe this is one of those like kind of watered down quote unquote feel good type movies. Mm -hmm. But it looked like it looked pretty good. So we'll see. Remember that movie that came and went earlier this year with the the Sam Rockwell and yeah, I want to say Octavia Spencer. Best of Enemies. Yeah. I never even heard anything Something about like that. that. Yeah, I don't know. I but don't know I imagine that that's the to be same. Good or not. But like, I think we did a preview corner and, and we talked and we were like, I think we know the entire plot of this movie. Oh, yeah. It definitely came up a couple times on preview corner. And then I saw a movie that I called, uh, Jamie Foxx is in another movie. Uh, <laughs> and this one has Michael B. Jordan in it. And he is trying to save a man who's on death row. And the man on death row is uh, played by Jamie Foxx. And it's called Just Mercy. Or maybe it's Just Mercy. I think it's Just Mercy. <laughs> and that one looked, uh, it didn't look that great. It looked it looked kind of like it might be a, a bit paint by numbers, but it looked like Michael B. Jordan was doing a really good job in it. And I feel like he's really growing on me. So that's that. Maybe I'll give it a chance. All right. Then I saw a preview for a movie called Richard Jewell about the 1996 Atlanta bombing. And this guy who, from the previews, it looks like he got framed for putting the bomb there when he was actually the guy who helped prevent the bomb from going off. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't really know the story, but I'm kind of curious. It's a Clint Eastwood movie, which is not a selling point for me, but it looks like it might be kind of interesting. I'll have to leave it till I see it to have any feels. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I don't want to spoil it if if you're unaware of it, so... Okay, I will. Uh, maybe I'll go to the theater and see it just to see something that I don't know anything about ahead of time. Then, because I got a lot of previews here, <laughs> I got a movie I called Benedict Cumberbombs, and then I called it <laughs> Saving Private Cumberbomb. Uh-huh. And uh, it's actually 1917, oh, yeah. a movie by Sam Mendes that I don't know a lot about, but I've heard is pretty good. I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be shot as it's not necessarily supposed to convince you completely that it's all one shot, but it's shot that way. So Yeah, like uh, Birdman almost. Yeah. And then I saw a preview for a horror movie, and I don't know if it's a Jordan Peele movie or if it's from the like producers of Get Out and Us, but it's called mm-hmm. Antebellum, and I couldn't quite tell what was going on in the preview. So I can't really say a whole lot about that because I didn't pick up what the actual plot was. I saw a preview for a movie with Anya Taylor-Joy in it, and... Good Lord, does that young lady have some gigantic eyes. So big. And not weirdly big, but just really big. Like, any, I realized in the preview, I'm like, anytime she's on screen, I feel like I'm very, like, sucked in. And I think it's by her eyes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. This movie is called Emma, and it's a Jane Austen comedy. And it did look kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> Are there zombies? Nope, not in this one. That we know of. Well, then I saw a preview for a movie that I called girl movie and in this movie <laughs> these women are breaking all the rules but like they're like the rules but we established those <laughs> but these are the rules of like the 1600s oh. or the 1700s or the 1800s i really don't know but the message of it was obviously that girls can want things and uh what yeah you know women can you know want their own things they don't just want what everyone else With says. permission of course oh and uh <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, this sounds like it's been done before. They, What are they going to do? Call this like little women? As long as a landowning white male says so. <laughs> it turns out this movie is called Little Women. So Little Women oh. coming to a theater near you. Little little Women? Yeah. Didn't they just make that? Uh, 
I don't know when the last one was. I guess that was a really long time ago because Winona Ryder's in it, and I think she's a child. Oh, yeah, that's probably like 20 years ago. She's some kind of little woman. Is that also a Jane Austen book? I want to say yes, but uh, I don't know that it is. Then I saw a commercial for a movie that I called Bwah, Bwah, Bwah. And it's actually another preview for that movie Underwater with Kristen Stewart in it. And people are walking along the ocean floor and has that guy that was in Deadpool who's like in trouble for raping people. So TJ Miller. Yeah, that guy. And I don't know. I'm curious as to what's in the ocean floor, but there's not a whole lot in the preview that has me thinking this is going to be a great movie. You talked about some other movie called Deep Star 6. Yeah. Deep Star 9 or something Deep like Star that. Deep Star 6. It's Yeah, so I looked up that movie and watched a trailer for that, and that looks like the worst movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then last but not least, I saw a preview for a movie that I called Woman Magazine Fox Show Movie. Oh, right. And it's actually called Bombshell about the Roger Mm -hmm. Ailes scandal, and it stars Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, and it looks pretty good. I'm I'm pretty curious about it. It does one. look pretty good, yeah. Yeah. So I might go see that because that's actually coming out very soon, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Ooh. So now that we've done a lot of preview corners. We'll see you next week in film. The Good Liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Nick, how about this? How about I ask you what you know okay. about The Good Liar? All right. From the trailers, I know that Gandalf is a con man of some sort Uh uh-huh and mckellen yeah and his next target is helen mirren and he's 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 got his sights on her she's some sort of wealthy single old woman and he's gonna try and sink his claws into her to get his hands on some of that delicious money and the movie revolves around that okay and i assume there are twists and turns left and right what genre do you think this movie is Oh, suspense, whodunit kind of a thing, like a mystery. Okay. See, now I went to the theater thinking that this was going to be kind of like a Ocean's Eleven type thing, like a comedic con job thing. Oh. You would have been less confused than I. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. No, it's it's a bit more serious than that. It does actually start out kind of like that. Like it's trying to be sort of light and mischievous and actually in the while the credits were going up at the beginning i thought the credits were done really well the clips that they were showing of these two people putting together like an online dating profile and the music that went with it was really nice and just fun so i was like oh okay this is going to be a lot of fun watching these these two seasoned actors enjoy each other's fun company and i don't know play games Watch on each two other. masters dance yeah yeah something like that so there's there's a hint pretty early on like about five minutes into the movie you see a completely naked woman in a strip club and you're like oh maybe this is a little more a little darker than i thought but throughout the movie the tone jumps all over the place and then about i don't know maybe uh, an hour in it just gets really dark like pretty dark it's much darker than i expected i was like oh i didn't think we were bringing in super serious stuff but apparently we are Okay. And then at the end, it's just nutso. Like the, the darkness of it is, is very dark. And the movie really? up to that point has been so sort of like clumsy and not really well done that it does not earn that. It's kind of like that other movie, not shouldn't have had a dog die in it. It didn't earn that. 
this movie goes to some very serious places that it has not earned. Now, mm-hmm. that said, I think that Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren both do a really good job acting in this movie. There's nothing wrong with their performances. It's just, it's a very clunky story. And with the tone jumping around as much as it does, it doesn't work very well. And it doesn't live up to the acting skill. Mm -hmm. And it has the feel of a movie that is supposed to, even if it's not a comedy, it still feels like the sort of thing, like a mystery that is going to come together in the end. And you go, oh, that's the solution to the puzzle. You know, and you see all the pieces come together. But instead, at the end of this movie, what you get is, oh, I wouldn't have seen that coming because it wasn't relevant to anything. And you just made up a whole bunch of exposition at the end and it sucks. Uh. So that was that. And I think instead of Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen, who would have been more appropriate for this movie other than their age, would be Gerard Butler and 1999 J-Lo. <laughs> like back when she was in that movie enough, that might have been more fitting. So, okay, yeah, the, the tone, the, it doesn't work. So I can't say that I absolutely hated this movie or anything, but it was very disappointing. And e- even if it was just going to be more serious, like it, it could have been edited and, and tightened up a lot, maybe rewritten to have it be more consistent in some way, if it's possible to let the viewer know we're not leading up to an ending that you're supposed to be able to figure out, uh-huh. you know, and, and I don't know exactly how you convey that, but it just seems like with the genre that it seems to fall into for most of the movie, you know, there's a twist coming and you feel like you're supposed to, when it happens, be able to have like be able to look back and go, yeah, that that's possible to figure out. Right. If you ever decide to watch this, just totally know that totally know right from the get go that you're not going to be able to figure it out. You're just going to get an exposition dump at the end. Oh, well that's disappointing. Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing that, but I in no way thought it was a a lighthearted comedy. Well, that was my mistake apparently. So (laughs) listeners take my preview corners with a huge grain of salt. (laughs) Because apparently I can be very wrong. (laughs) That's it. All right. The final movie that I saw this week Uh was Shin Godzilla from 2016. It is directed by Hideki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. For some reason, I'm very proud of you for going back and watching this other Godzilla movie after the last one you watched. I'm proud of me, (laughs) too. Give you some credit. It stars a bunch of Japanese actors that I I haven't seen before. It's 99% Japanese. I'm assuming Japanese actors. And then a couple Americans kind of tossed in there. Basically, this is a Godzilla reboot for these Toho movies. And the movie starts out and it's kind of shot in a documentary style where we spend 90% of this movie with all these bureaucrats, with the prime minister of Japan and all of his cabinet members, and then the people who form this special scientific task force to try and solve the Godzilla problem. And everyone talks unbelievably fast. When you're watching it with the subtitles on, you're just kind of like, I'm just barely hanging on here. It's like an Aaron, if Aaron Sorkin wrote a Godzilla movie. And I think a lot of the charm of this movie 
is in the fact that I don't speak Japanese, so I'm, I just kind of hear the delivery of the lines. And some of them are just terrible, but because I don't know what they're saying, there's a lot of wiggle except room. for the translation at the bottom of the screen, it kind of comes across better. Yeah. This movie was a lot of fun. This movie was fun. And there's hardly any Godzilla in it. He's barely in this movie. And when he is, it is the worst looking cgi you have ever really? seen oh yeah like worse than the sci-fi channel it that is part so bad and when godzilla makes his first appearance on land it's a lot a lot of quick cuts and a lot of close-ups of people's faces talking and then someone gets interrupted and they say godzilla has he's left the sea and he's on land now and this is before they name him godzilla and all this stuff blah 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 and it's a lot of quick cuts and we're a lot of close-ups and the guy's like what he's on land and then we we cut to like all this destruction and devastation and then we get to see Godzilla in his like first form because in this movie he takes different forms like he like evolves as it goes along to become like the Godzilla that we recognize and I say recognize because his first form was probably the funniest thing that I have seen in 20 years it looks like a sock puppet with googly eyes that don't move, like googly eyes that don't Google, and somebody just wiggling it around a city, and its mouth is open, and it's just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> It is so goddamn funny. I rewound it and watched it like four times, and then my wife came downstairs when the movie was half over, and I was like, I have to rewind this to, to like the beginning of the movie so you can see this stupid puppet, <laughs> this puppet monster thing. It looks so bad and so cheesy and so cheap, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the story at, in a negative way at all. Because the story that they're trying to tell is of these bureaucrats and federal agencies trying to solve this problem. And it, it's done really well. It's a little hokey here and there. But again, like that language barrier thing kind of smooths it over. I think if I watched an English translation of this, I wouldn't like it as much. And we're really just... It's like those space movies that I like where everyone works together to solve a common problem. And there's no infighting and there's no mustache twirling villain off off in the corner who has his own schemes mm -hmm. yeah. where Godzilla has come onto the island of Japan and he's wrecking havoc and everyone is doing their best to try and figure this out. But the wheels of government move so slow. We sit in these meetings with the prime minister or his cabinet and, and, and so his cabinet gets together and they go, what's this problem? And they're like, we don't know, but it's some sort of monster in the ocean. And they don't know what Godzilla is because again, it's, it's a reboot reboot launch of the of the whole franchise so there's no past godzilla which i didn't know when i started watching it was that this was a reboot because when the when the monster first shows up i'm like why aren't they more concerned that this is a monster aren't they used to monsters because doesn't godzilla show up every other month and uh no it's like the first movie again and also when godzilla in his first form like the hand puppet bouncing down the street i was like what is this monster and when does godzilla fight it <laughs> and then you find out that it is Godzilla, you're like, oh, <laughs> I got to send you a screenshot of this puppet. Like I was saying, you're in these meetings with these bureaucrats and the, and the bureaucrat, and again, it's, it's Japan. So everything is very formal. So 
these bureaucrats are in a meeting and they, they, they discuss the problem and they, they analyze it based on the information they have and they go, okay, well, let's take it to the prime minister. So there's like a shot of them leaving this meeting to go to another meeting. And I know it sounds like the most boring thing you've ever heard of, but I didn't watch the West Wing, but I've seen some of it. And this is what it feels like a lot, where if the West Wing took place in Japan and Godzilla attacked while they were making the show is what it feels like. We experience it through the eyes of these bureaucrats who are just trying to solve the problem. And the main character, a scientist or something... And he's, he's trying to figure out a way to stop Godzilla. And then there's this other guy that you're like, oh, this is the guy who wants to be the prime minister. He's he's going to, oh, nope, he's just a good guy, too, who just has political aspirations, but he's honest about it. Where he's like, yeah, you know, I, I want a job. I'd like to be prime minister. That wouldn't be so bad. And you're just kind of like, yeah, all right, guy. Thanks for being honest. And uh, he's not a bad guy at all. There's a lot of post World War II, I guess, angst in the movie where Japan, like the people of Japan, don't like their world status, where they, they kind of feel like they're under the control of the United States and still in that post-World War II mindset. And the U.S. is offering to help them with this Godzilla problem because it affects them too. So you watch them try to figure out, well, we want to handle this Godzilla problem ourselves, but we do not have the firepower to do it. So what if we had like a joint U.S. slash Japanese coalition? And and again, while I'm describing it, it sounds like the most boring thing you've ever seen, <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's thrilling and it's compelling. And it's kind of like a little bit of a hunt for Red Octopus. October where like you don't really see anything going on but you're like wow there's global ramifications for everything that's going on right now like and everybody makes stakes. yeah the stakes are very high and there's a ticking clock that is it's like deliberate at one point the UN says we would like to drop a nuclear bomb on Godzilla because nothing else is working and Japan is like well as the only country that's had nuclear bombs dropped on it we would not like that and the US representative to Japan is like, I understand, but we really don't have any other options. And the main character's like, oh, well, we've been working on something, but we need more time. We need more time to do it. And the U.S. representative is like, well, right now, in order to evacuate most of Japan, we're looking at a timeline of two weeks. You've got two weeks to figure out your solution. And the guy's like, all right, two weeks. Great. Thanks. And you're like, oh man, their backs are going to be up against the wall with this. And then it gets to like the deadline and they're just not ready yet. And they go to the US representative and they're like, can we just have some more time? We're very close. We just need more time. And the US guy's like, okay, sure. We don't really want to drop a nuclear bomb on you. If you think you're close, let's do it. But if Godzilla comes back to life, we're going to have to do what we have to do. And you're just like, oh man, I love this. Everybody's making appropriate decisions and the decisions have weight and nobody likes being where they're at. People are forced to make decisions outside of their pay grade and stuff and, and there are consequences and it's just really fun. Like a fun movie and there's just this giant monster who breathes fire <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous and it has no business being as entertaining as it is but it really is. I really enjoyed it quite a bit so uh check cool. it out check, check out shin out. godzilla yeah it's it's quite entertaining now it's not the best movie you've ever seen and the cgi is 
unbelievably bad, like I said. I mean, pee your pants funny. But especially after watching that other Godzilla movie, and then this movie, you're just like, why couldn't they just do this? Why couldn't we just get this movie again, but with amazing special effects? Let's just let's just make that movie that was amazing again. Let's just do that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, how hard is this? I, I just don't understand. Uh, the end. Okay, cool. Yeah. I will check that out. Yeah, it sounds a lot better than the last one. Yeah, leaps and bounds. So, let's see. So, the other movie I saw in the theater is Knives Out. Yeah. And um, I might have to talk about this a little strangely, because it's hard to talk about it a bit without spoiling stuff so and i definitely don't want to spoil anything because this is a mystery movie too so about maybe five minutes in or so i was like man i might hate this because these people are annoying and then like just a few minutes after that i was like you know what i'm actually really enjoying these people they're not likable exactly but the performances are fun daniel Mm -hmm. craig is in this as a detective or a private investigator and he's awesome and chris evans is in this i really liked him in this and the main character i meant to look up the actress's name i think it's something along the lines of like anna de armos i think that's right yeah she's really good and she's kind of front and center most of the time you see a lot of stuff sort of from her perspective oh and michael shannon michael shannon's great in this too the way the movie's told you actually do unlike a lot of like who done it stuff. You get to see a lot of things that actually aren't being shared with other characters. Like you can see short like cutaways that actually fill in information that you sort of shouldn't know. And it's pretty cool. It's it's a it's told really well as far as like doing it in an order and from perspectives that make it fun and really make it work. I don't know if it's I, I've heard a lot of people say that this movie is just like the most amazing thing ever. And I don't know about that. It is a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing it again sometime in the future. Basic premise is a man is murdered and all the people around him have some reason or another to want him dead. And so, you know, whodunit. That's kind of how all whodunits are. You're like, oh, anybody, any of these people could have done it. About 45 minutes into the movie, I thought I had predicted the ending. And then Mm -hmm. maybe like four or five minutes later, there's some bit of information that was like, boom, here's something that happened. And I was like, oh, well, I completely got that wrong then. (laughs) You know, so it's fun. Once you kind of get the answers to everything that's happened, it's not exactly the explanation that's the fun part. It's some things that come after that. And some people might find those things a little bit predictable, but it's a really enjoyable, fun movie. And I I don't hesitate at all to recommend it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Uh, It looks quite good. So yeah. One of the only complaints I really have about it is that there are tons of great people in it and that means that a lot of people don't get a lot of time on screen. Right. So there's maybe like one or two characters where I'm like, I don't know if they even needed to be in it. But if you cut them out, it wouldn't give anybody else a whole lot of time. So it's not really that big of a deal. Right. Okay. And the, and the music's a lot of fun, too, like right from the front. Well, that brings us to our movie ranking list for this week. Time to update. And I'll go first because I have it open. And I'm going to put Shin Godzilla into the new number 31 spot in between Happy Death Day and Once Upon a Time in America. I'm going to give it a begrudging three and a half stars. I think I would give it four, but the CGI is just so terrible that even though it's charming, it really does take you out of it, but you don't care kind of a thing. But it's it takes it from being a four star movie to three and a half, but it's a total recommend. Speaking of CGI, I also saw Frozen 2 which I'm going to put 
into the new number 59 spot in between In the Mouth of Madness, underneath that, and Above Shazam. I will give this movie two stars, and I will I will say I recommend seeing it simply because of the animation alone. It is, I, I didn't mention this before, but it is gorgeous. Almost like distractingly gorgeous, especially some of those sequences are, are just mind-bending, how they were able to just draw that with a computer where you're just like, hey, way to go. That's quite an accomplishment. So I would say check it out. And that Ryan Adams sequence is amazing. And then finally, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I'm going to put into the number 84 slot below Cocktail, but above Arctic, the horror movie one, not the snow one. I will give this movie one and a half stars, and I'm going to have to say no, I don't recommend checking it out. I'm going to say no. No. So, Matt, you've got a whole lot of movies yeah. to throw on your list. Okay, so uh, I'll go from the top. You just really wanted to get to 100 movies this year. Am I at 100? Almost. All right. I'm going to start at the top and put Knives Out in between Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Us. And I will give it four stars and an absolute recommend. Okay. All right. And then next up, a couple slots down between Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, I am going to put... Oh. The Witch, or the Vavitch. It's got two V's instead of a W. Not sure why we don't call it a double V instead of a W, but that's for another time. It must be an old English kind of thing. How many stars would you give the Vavitch? I'm going to go ahead and give that one three and a half. And I'm guessing that's a recommend? Yes. And then... Next up? Way down the line, between Lego Movie 2 and The Kid Who Would Be King, I am putting Transcendence. It's higher than I thought it would be. Me too. <laughs> that is just for the uh, the ideas. And so I guess that gets like a two stars and a thumb a down. Thumb down. Okay. Next up. All right. So down between The Mummy and Ocean's 8, we're going to put mm-hmm. The Conjuring. I forgot you even talked about that. Which Me is funny too. Because that was your whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm going to give The Conjuring one and a half stars and a thumbs up. Really? Yeah, I think it's not a very hearty recommend, but I think so many people will just kind of enjoy it as like a background thing or like a shitty popcorn movie that I can mm-hmm. say it's not going to hurt you. You're not going to walk away pissed off. Right? Yeah, speaking of walking away pissed it? off, between <laughs> Ocean's 8 and Ghost Shark, I am going to put The Good Liar. Wow, I forgot you talked about that. That's going below The Conjuring. Wow. I think okay. people are going to disagree with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, like the movie's been out for a few weeks now, and I honestly don't think I heard anything about it. Like I don't think anyone's seen it. Uh, After I saw it and kind of had all my notes in order, I listened to a couple podcasts of other people reviewing it, and it seems like it's pretty polarizing. People either seem to really love it or think about it exactly the same way I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it one and a half stars, and that's all for performance. And I'm guessing that's a no. That's a thumbs down. Well, that brings you to 97 movies on the year. That's exciting. If you'd like to see our movie ranking list, you can find our page on Letterboxd. You can find a link to that from our website, thisweekinfilm.com. Matt, anything for Midwest Matt 
recommends this week. Sure. If you're looking for another source for news, I'd say check out the podcast, Even More News. All right. Now, I know you thought we were going to end the show now so you could go home after your long day. Uh-huh. But we have another segment that I'm springing on you. Viewer mail uh, or listener, listener mail. mail. Huh? We got an actual package. Wow. From listener Travis. Travis. Awesome. And yeah, I got an env- or a, a wrapped package here. And then there's a box here that says the wrapped packages. There's a note that says the wrapped packages for me, but the box is for Midwest Matt. <laughs> so <laughs> I can open this for you if you like, and uh, and you can hear all about it, or I could just save it for when you're ever in the Delaware area again. Let's save it for a future podcast. Next time I'm in town, we can we can have an unwrapping. Those are popular. All right, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to open mine up right now because listener Travis is a big friend of the show. He's the reason we did our Broken Arrow episode a few weeks back. All right. I think that was the last commentary track we did. And let's see. Oh, my. Fabulous first issue. It's a comic book. Oh, my God. It's Spider-Man Unlimited number one. Oh, my God. No way. This is Maximum Carnage Part 1. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. This is... Oh, that Travis has a great memory because we have talked about the Maximum Carnage series, Travis and I, and I've told him that I had lost Spider-Man Unlimited number 1 at the auditorium of our high school. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, wow. Thanks so much, Travis. Well done. You're, uh, you're a prince. That's... What a surprise. Boy, I can't wait to see what's inside this box. I can't wait to see if you try to compete with Travis for our love. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to send us an email, we don't actually have a physical mailing address yet, uh, but if you want to send us an email, you can send it to thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us on all the social media stuff. Tell us what you saw this week, and we'll discuss that on the show. But I guess if that is the end of the reel, Matt, we will see you next week in film. Nick, we'll see you then. And listeners, judge movies, not people. Except for Travis, judge him positive. It's amazing. (laughs) Thanks, Travis.